This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. You can see all the data nationally for each contaminant and filter the data by statistical summary, year, source water type, public water system size and type. That's Gary Hatch of Hatch Global Consulting Services and chair of the Research Task Force for the Contaminant Occurrence Map Project, talking about the impact of the new map for WQRF and welcome to WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. Find us at wqa.org, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And this, believe it or not, is episode number 196. If you're joining us for the first time, why, we're glad you're here. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. Just reach over on that podcast app of yours and and hit subscribe. We're publishing this on December 2nd of 2020, and we are approaching the holidays. And so, by all means, we are certainly wishing you and yours a very safe and enjoyable holiday season. In this episode, we talk with Gary Hatch about his role in that uh, chairmanship role of the committee and how it helped to guide the research for the contaminant occurrence map, which you can find at wqrf.org slash map, M-A-P. Gary has some great insights into how to use the map and how that map will evolve over time. And later, we'll have our WQA tip. And now, my conversation with Gary Hatch on WQA Radio. Glad to be joined by Gary Hatch for this edition of WQA Radio. Gary's president of Hatch Global Consulting Services, and uh, he assists with water treatment and product development and water chemistry. And it's great to have you, Gary, on the program and and to join us and talk a little bit about WQRF today. All right, great, Wes. Nice uh, having me and. Uh... Appreciate the opportunity to tell a little bit about what uh, what we've done with uh, WQRF. Absolutely. Hey, why don't you start with a, a little more uh, about your background so folks who may not know for sure who Gary Hatch is have a better understanding of what you've done in the industry and at WQA and WQRF. Sure. Uh, well, I've, I've been around for quite a while. Uh, they started really in the industry uh, with uh, 40 plus years, I guess it is. And uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, I helped uh, initiate and develop uh, a lot of the D drinking water treatment unit standards uh, and became involved with WQA and a lot of their committee work and uh, chaired some of the uh, committees and task forces there. Uh, most recently, uh, uh, been a member of uh, WQRF task forces. Uh, most recently, I chaired uh, the uh, Boil Water Notice uh, collection, data collection and task force. And currently, I serve as chair of the research task force that oversees the technical review of the contaminant occurrence map project. And that is a great project. We unveiled that at the WQA Mid-Year Leadership Conference 
was exciting to see that device in action. I mean, to, to be able to take a look at the map of the United States and look at all of the contaminant occurrence that, that uh, is identified and uh, the tool. So we want to get into that. Um, tell us about your role and the committee's role in understanding uh, how all of this came into development. Well, this was, uh, I think, is probably one of the uh, best and most important uh, research projects that WQRF has, has done to date. Uh, uh, as I said, I was chair of that task force, and uh, uh, this was a uh, basically a data collection project. Uh, but uh, now understand that we didn't pay for, WQRF didn't pay for the uh, collecting the data uh, or the samples from which the data was collected, but but that was done by the over the last uh, nine to ten years by states and uh, federal agencies. So the objective for WQRF was to uh, uh, take the already available data and make it more accessible and meaningful to the public and the industry. The focus of the contaminant occurrence project was to investigate the concentrations across the United States for health-related drinking water contaminants in relation to their MCL or for those contaminants that have an MCLG. Now, the study also included aesthetic contaminants. and These are regulated by the uh, secondary regulations that are non-enforceable. Uh, however, all the uh, total data for the contaminants total 57 different drinking water contaminants and uh, in the future we're going to add uh, even more contaminants to this uh, mapping tool and it's uh, gonna, it's an enormous project uh, but uh, the researchers uh, that led the product was project was uh, Dr. Carly Sampson and Dr. Chad Seidel from Corona Environmental consulting. They gathered this data by contacting all 50 states, drinking water authorities, and as well as using data from the EPA's fourth unregulated contaminant monitoring rule and data from the EPA's safe drinking water information system known as SIDWIS. So this uh, data collection effort resulted in more than, believe it or not, 59 million data points. It's the first uh, ever big data project for WQRF, so uh, I'm amazed at the amount of work that, that's been done here. It is amazing, very impressive. So uh, I mentioned that it's a map. It's a map that you can take a look at online. If anybody who's listening hasn't been there, wqrf.org slash map will get you there. But, but uh, Gary, just kind of step us through, how does it work as you're looking at the map what are you looking at? What are you finding or what do you have access to find? Well, it, uh, it's an incredible tool. Uh, you, can, you can see all the data nationally for each contaminant and filter the data by statistical summary, year, source water type, public water system size and type. Now, depending on what you've uh, selected for the statistical summary, 
let's say from 25th percentile all the way up to 95th percentile of occurrence for the particular contaminant you're looking at, the color coding on the map for that data point will change as it correlates to the statistical result in concentration. Now this, now this, Wes, this may sound a little complicated, but once you get into the mapping tool and start using it, you'll find it's easy to navigate and find the information you're looking for. Tell me more about the, like you mentioned, the 25th percentile all the way up to 95th. What are we looking at when you say 25th versus, you know, all the way up to 95th? Tell, tell us more about that. Okay, let's, let's maybe simplify that a little bit with, uh, let's, let's say, let's say the, the 50th percentile. The 50th percentile is like the median data point or the occurrence level concentration. The 95th percentile is really means that uh, at that, that concentration of the 95th percentile means that that covers 95% of the, of the data that was collected. In other words, uh, the, the 95th percentile, the concentration that you see at that, that point, uh, 95% of the, the uh, concentrations they found were equal to or less than 90, 95% of those data points. So that's what okay. that means. All right. And, and how would a typical person or company use this tool? What, what's, the, what's the end game here? Well, I, I think the opportunities are endless for the industry's use and, uh, and for uh, future research. For instance, it can help dealers prepare for customer calls. If a customer calls in and says, I'm from wherever, they can go to the, get on that mapping tool right there on the spot and say, okay, we've got data for this contaminant, that contaminant in the area where you live. And uh, it can help uh, educate the public on contaminant occurrences and, uh, and, and help drive general awareness of water quality. So uh, the dealer then can uh, guide that uh, customer toward what, type of treatment device they need to put in their home. So this, this is just an amazing uh, resource. Uh, uh, and also it can uh, help guide product certification development as well because uh, performance benchmarks in the DWTU standards are based on real world concentrations. So this could help with product development. Yeah, it, down yes, the road. it could because uh, it, as I said, uh, the DWTU standards performance requirements are based on a uh, uh, like an, when you test a, a POU device for performance of let's say arsenic removal, uh, you, those that influent concentration that that unit is tested at uh, is based on an, on occurrence level, and so uh, if if this research finds uh, additional information on occurrence levels that we can use that as we update these DWTU standards and make sure that the uh, performance requirements are, are in line with occurrences. Now, this sounds like um, there may be some concerns uh, raised by our friends 
at the municipalities and the uh, central treatment systems. Uh, what, uh, what kind of reaction are you getting from them? Well, we were aware that municipalities might be sensitive to publicizing this information. So WQA assembled a uh, communications task force to give staff guidance and input on communications about these sensitivities. Uh, Toby Thomas is chair of that task force, and we've worked together with the researchers at Corona Environmental and uh, a small group of members also to craft a uh, very neutral message. And we want to make sure that consumers aren't confused by the data and convey that the map was not designed as a compliance tool. To, so to put, basically, we, don't want to, we didn't want to put the municipalities on the spot, you know, if they all of a sudden they see a data point that's over the uh, EPA-regulated, what we call MCL, maximum contaminant limit of, for that contaminant. So we really kept it at a high level so consumers can do some research in their geographic area. But ultimately, we want to encourage them to get a, a water analysis uh, or speak to a professional about their water quality. Uh, so we're trying to avoid complaints going directly to the municipalities. Uh, and that's not the intent. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because, again, uh, this is a, an opportunity to learn, but we're not trying to we're not trying to blast any particular entity in the process. Oh, yeah. And also, AWWA was informed before the release of the map, and we had a call with the uh, researchers at Corona Environmental and uh, WQRF uh, Executive Director Polly Undesser uh, to answer all their questions and concerns. And uh, AWWA was sent uh, a communication to their members about the map so that they were informed ahead of time and WQA has received a few questions from the municipalities, but all the conversations so far have been very positive. Well, that is good to hear. Now, a project like this, um, I would imagine you've got the data in place, but you want to keep adding more and more data as the years roll on, or would that not be correct? Oh, I think so. I think... Uh, uh, that you know, the research task force and the WQA industry research and water sciences committees have identified quite a few areas for future work. Some of uh, that has been identified uh, uh, as additional. Uh, some of the things are additional data analysis, additional contaminants for QAQC, and improvements to the water or to the user experience with the map. Uh, there's a vetting process uh, to prioritize the opportunities for future work, and it's ongoing now. And the board will review them as part of their budgeting process. I think some of the some of the data, you know, and some of the more recent uh, issues are these perfluoral compounds, PFAS compounds, and, sure. and that those those I'm sure will be part of. of uh, as as the state and federal agencies gather data on PFAS occurrence, that'll be probably one of the big uh, big data points on uh, that we'll add to this tool. Um, and also, I want to thank uh, Kim Redden and Kayla Harriad there at WQA staff who uh, worked uh, with uh, on the WQRF uh, 
staff and did this background work and keeping this going. I mean, they, they've done a tremendous job helping the task force uh, with with their duties and what we had to do. It's tremendous, uh, really a pleasure working with Kim and Kayla. Yeah, I will echo that. A lot of balls in the air and they kept them all <laughs> all uh, floating and, and didn't drop a one. Uh, so, yeah. But it was great to have you involved as the chair of this task force and uh, maybe some personal thoughts as you look at this and you see the the not only the potential right now but as you mentioned going forward with additional contaminants added and all of that must make you feel that this is not only a valuable tool but you know we're setting the stage for as you say research and awareness for the next several years yes and it, it, it's only um uh, going to be useful if we keep it updated and that that's one of the keys here is is this is something that that we can we can keep going and updating and using and make useful for everybody for years to come so it's an exciting thing and uh it's going to be a, an ongoing project and uh as i said needs to be constantly updated and added to as new emerging contaminants pop out of nowhere who knows what's going to be the next big big drinking water issue so all right gary great to have your thoughts on this your insight again we appreciate your contribution and all of those who worked on the task force frankly yes uh, i want to certainly thank all the other members of our task group and task force that that participated uh, we had a great team and uh, really was a privilege and honor to work with all these uh, uh, great members of the task force and uh, the people there at WQA. All right, Gary, thank you. Appreciate your joining us for the program and all the best in 2021 and uh, years beyond. Thanks much, Wes. Appreciate it. Uh, it was a pleasure to, to talk with you. Our WQA tip, all of the resources that we made available during Member Appreciation Month in November are now available on demand at wqa.org appreciate. You can watch the video replays of the WQA networking event with WQA President DJ Shanahan and WQA Vice President Toby Thomas. The insightful and entertaining presentation on optimizing the next generations with Jeff Cortez and Randy Walensky. The WQA Essentials webinar with Kathleen Burbage and Eric Yege on the new Chloride Resources Handbook. And the WQA Coffee Break featuring Professional Certification and Training Director Tanya Lubner on how to use the Code of Ethics to train your team. All of this now available at wqa.org appreciate and you will need to use your member login. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.